0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash project for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan.
1: I have very few business crushes in this world, but Jill Donovan of cuff, is one of them. Her business happy her brain. I have never loved someone's brain so much. (laughs) And I know that sounds super weird. But when you see someone who is super inspiring and doing amazing business things and is kind and generous and making bank, like I can't help but notice those are all the amazing qualities that I love in someone. And she's from my hometown in Tulsa. So she's kick ass. I obsess over her in this entire episode. But outside of my fangirling, I still think you're going to get a lot from it.
0: Inside this episode, Jill is talking to us about how she was publicly humiliated on national television, sitting on the couch, next to Oprah, and how that drastically changed the rest of her life and how she moved on from that. And then had it come back and be one of the best things that ever happened to her. I'm excited for you to jump in. This episode, as much as I thought it was going to be about scaling a product-based business, is more about following your intuition and gut and listening to your heart and doing things that impact other people. I'm excited for you to listen this one is so good.
1: I am massive fangirling right now. An amazing businesswoman, an amazing entrepreneur, amazing human is on the show today and in our presence. And I'm so, so excited you guys get to hear from her and meet her. Jill Donovan of Rustic Cup. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Abigail, thank you so much for having me.
1: I have been obsessed with your brand and your business savvy, your heart, your strategy, everything that has been going around Rustic for the years that you've been in business. You are a Tulsa hometown girl. That's where I'm from. I love, love, love that. So much of what you're putting out into the world, beside the amazing product that people are obsessed with. But the brand that you've developed, the giving aspect that you developed, the generosity of your like entrepreneurial spirit, it is well known in, in the community and I respect that so much. So besides me just saying like how amazing you are this entire time.
2: Thank you. Can you travel with me? Because what you just said was so beautiful. I want you to just go. <laughs> yes, yes, I, go.
1: I will just introduce you wherever you go and exactly. <laughs>
2: That was the perfect introduction. That was the most perfect introduction I've ever heard.
1: So I, I want to dive in today. And I promise I'll give Abby a chance to talk also. But I, I want to hear a little bit about the beginnings of your journey because I do think it's important from where you came from and how Rustic Cup even started to really give people some perspective on on how big, shiny brands actually begin.
2: Well, I'll give you the, the short synopsis here. I was an attorney and then I became a law professor and it was nothing that I ever woke up and said, Oh, I get to go do this. Like, probably. Even though I enjoyed it, I always said, I have to go to work. So, my Monday through Friday was something, and my Friday through Sunday was a completely other thing. Two separate lives. And I had always envisioned that my life would all be one big get to. I get to do this. And I was 40, and I just didn't know if I'd ever land in that get to. And I thought that's what I would always do. And so, Because work was always work, I couldn't wait to have my kids because I knew then I wasn't going to work anymore. Work always resembled just that, work. And so I had always hoped. I just didn't know if it would ever be actualized or I would ever see the day I would get to a get-to. And through a crazy series of events, of trying new hobbies every year, one of my things I wanted to do was get to the Oprah show just to be in the audience before she retired or died. Dream's the, like, dream. (laughs) yeah. Right. And just, just to do that, I didn't know if it would lead anywhere, but it was just for fun. And so I, I pursued trying to get tickets to the audience after four or five years of trying this. It was impossible. It was very tricky to get a ticket. I got on the website and it asked if you wanted to be on the show. And I thought, how in the world did I wait so long to try to be on the show? And so I just knew that I was going to find something they were looking for and have it fit me. Well, the very first thing they were looking for was, are you a regifter? and i was a very big regifter i grew up in a family of regifters we had a closet where you would put linens that's where we would put gifts we would get to regive. give we never had to go to the store for a birthday ever so i couldn't wait for i could not wait for my birthday to come around not because i wanted gifts for me but because i wanted to fill my closet up when i graduated from college and every birthday and every christmas i would just get these gifts and put them in there and then regive them a, and I love stuff with my initials on it or my name, and so I started to look for friends that just were Jill, or <clears> that. Because I'm like, listen, if you stick around long enough, you're going to get an amazing birthday gift. Don't break up with, don't, don't break our friendship up until your birthday happens, or you'll be sorry. Yeah, right. You are a lucky girl if your name starts with J, or change it for that matter. Just change it when you meet me. Change your change your name. I'm an attorney. I can help you change your name. And so I was. I was so excited about this gift clause. It was really this fun game for me. And Oprah was looking for people that with funny stories. And one day while I was practicing law, I wrote these three stories in how I just gotten caught re-giving somebody the same gift they had given me. And it was my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law and I just got married and it was funny. I, I thought it was funny until I started crying and it wasn't so funny. So I wrote and I have a twin brother and he did the exact same thing that I did. And I wrote these stories well within 2 hours they called and said we want you we want to fly to Tulsa tomorrow to film your gift closet and so I I had some holes in the closet at that time and so I ran across the street and bought every gift I could find to put in there and, and to fill it up and then returned it all the next day but and I used to feel guilty about that I used these stores and then I thought there's no greater advertising than being on in my closet and then they came and they filmed it was very fu- i thought it was funny it was very lighthearted the show was an etiquette show on whether it's proper to do xyz and regifting was one of them and i had googled it and as long as you're not lying outright lying about it and there's outright lying and then there's just not telling the truth totally different remember i was, I was an attorney and so they took the the footage back to chicago and i never asked if i was going to go to the show be on the show i thought if this is going to be my door, it will open without me pounding it down. This is the thing I wanted for five years just to sit in the audience. And the next day they called and they said, we want to fly you and your husband to sit in the front row of the show. So when your clip airs, Oprah will look at you and say, thank you, Jill, for being here. And they said, she's, they said all you have to do is say, thank you, Oprah. And so I practiced that a thousand times. Like, thank you, Oprah. Oh, thank, thanks. I mean, there were a million ways you could say it. And I was going to land on the perfect one. So I get to the show. Go to the green room, get my makeup done. And they said, you're not going to tell any stories. You're just going to say thank you. And so I'm on the front row. And right before the show started, Maria, the producer, came up to me. And she said, there have been a change of plans. You're going to be sitting on the couch with Oprah. I'm going to interview you. And you're going to tell three stories. But this is my get to. Wherever it leads, it's, I'm landing in my get to. And you have that, you know, that feeling in your stomach where something's happening and you can't control it. But you just are so over. Like to- you
0: might it. vomit at any second. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But you're just going with it. And so I'm on the couch and the show starts. The only thing Oprah said to me was cute shoes. And there were two etiquette experts on the other side of the stage. And they said the same thing to me, cute shoes. And I thought we're going to be really great friends. Like we're going to go have a drink. No, I know. We were going to go meet Gail after the show and have a drink. I felt that strongly about our relationship. And I was already thinking how I was going to resign at my law practice. And so I then the show aired, they aired the clip. And Oprah looked at me. It was, so, it was so exciting, and there were 300 people in the audience. It was it was not live. It was going to air to 20 million people in a few weeks after that. And and when you're in front of 300 people, it, you know it's not that nerve wracking. I mean, for it, but I had I had you know been in court, and I was used to this kind of thing at this point, and so I wasn't that nervous at all. It all happened so fast, and they aired it. And Oprah said, "Jill, what do you think about what you just saw on the screen?" And I said, "Well," and I was getting ready to talk to her and tell her a story. And she goes, well, just a second, let's go ask the etiquette experts. And she looked over at these two cute girls from Canada, which didn't know they had different rules on regifting in Canada, and said, what do you all think about what Jill's doing? And they looked at me with smiles, like really big smiles. and I thought, oh, like this, we will just, we will reminisce about this when we go for a drink. We'll talk about how fun this segment was. And they said, through their smiles, they said, we think that what Jill's doing is wrong and she's rude and tacky and she really needs to go home and give that entire closet to Goodwill. And here this moment just came crashing down and had not even aired yet. It was like somebody had taken everything, the, every high moment that I was experiencing and threw it on the ground and stepped on it. And I, and it not not by Oprah's fault in any way, it just it is how strongly they felt about regifting these etiquette experts. And I didn't get to tell a single story. I could barely defend myself because I was so shocked. My eyes were like this. It wide open. I took a chair, I hit them both, and went to prison, went to prison and didn't even get my phone call. But I found a Jill in prison and she, and gave her some of my gifts. And so the show ended, I mean, I wanted to cry. I didn't blink or I knew the tears would fall. And I begged Maria, please don't hear that. And she said, it's not as bad as you think. Three weeks later it aired and it was twice as bad as I had imagined and what I remembered. But before it aired, as soon as we left the studio, I went to Gino's Pizza and if you've been to Chicago, it was this iconic pizza place. And I remember with all the noise going on, all the pain I said, Terry, to my husband, "Why I can't even imagine. This is something I've hoped for for five years. Why in the world would God bring me to this place of sheer joy and hope and only to just have it cut off? I would have rather never gone to the show in the first place or just sat in the last row of the audience. Why in the world did I have to come this far? It, why would he do that to me? And in a split second, I said, answered my own question, and I said- I don't know the reason yet, but I have this strong feeling that there is going to be some significance to this pain I'm feeling. I, I can't describe it, but I know that I'm going to see in my lifetime a significance and a purpose for this pain. And and I know, I have to say, I know pain is relative. There are people dying and there's destruction and there's there's cancer. There's terrible things that are not fair to people. This was relative for me at that moment. And so I literally went home after I returned everything in that closet and I took black trash bags, put it all in the bags, handed to Terry. And I said, please take this to to Goodwill. And I I said, I don't want to open this closet again. I literally want to leave shelves empty. And I did. I did. And I said, no more hobbies because I was doing a hobby every year. And I said, no more hobbies. I took a sabbatical from teaching, not because of that, but because I just focused on my girls and said, no more work, no more hobbies. This is what I'm going to do. And that, that's what I did. Five years later, I was laying in bed and I said, even though I haven't like, and it aired three times that year. They said it was one of the highest rated episodes. And so it aired. And you go out in public and people would be like, gosh, you look familiar. Like, like Susie Orman, don't ask me for a 5 like, Please. And so uh, sometimes people think I'm Susie Orman and I'm, I'm like, sell everything you have and, and move away. that's my best financial advice. And so five years later, I was laying in bed and I said, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person that holds resentment, but this, I think I've been holding on to this against these girls because they took, even though they didn't know that this was a dream of mine to, and, and so I sat up in bed, it was two o'clock in the morning. I had not fallen asleep yet. My girls were asleep. My husband was asleep and I said, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to verbally say, I'm going to let this go. And i had worked my way through law school by working at American Airlines. And as I traveled for fun in the countries or cities I would go to, I would collect cuffs, like really big cuffs, statement cuffs, bracelets to remind me of my experience in that city. I had a drawer full of them and I woke up and said out loud, well, not out loud, but in my head, I said, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to just open the closet again. But I want to create something that I can fill the closet back up with. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something again that is... And you know, also when you've had children for a while, everything stops creatively. In life. And I so I got up and I sat at my computer till I did not sleep that night. And I Googled everything that had to do with making cuffs. And I thought I would start making cuffs. And every night for the next four months, I would put my kids to bed, say goodnight to my husband. And I, about 10 o'clock, I'd go back in this back room and I, and I had gone to the leather store countless times and just sat there and said, teach me everything you know. And so I learned through the internet and through just the people at the leather store who became my friends and taught myself how to make these cuffs and one by one started flipping the closet back up until. Full of cuffs, and that is the day that I said I let this go was the day that busted cuff was. Born.
0: Well, I have chills, and I have all these thoughts and all these things I want to ask you now, man. Like, talk about like being disappointed. I I have a similar, ex- not similar. I can't say it's similar, but. Not Oprah level, but I remember being let down by one of my heroes. I am a huge fan of Shark Tank. And I even blocked out his name. I can't even remember his name right now. He was supposed to come do a what I thought was a book signing at a college town two hours away.
1: Well, because they called it a book signing.
0: They called it a book signing. So I got a ticket to go to his book signing, drove two hours to go see him. And he wasn't there. And it was a two hour pitch for some like entrepreneurship, high level mastermind thing where he may or may not be at the next thing. And I was like, just devastated. Like, how could you take this away from me? This man I respected all of a sudden went to the bottom of the totem pole. And it was like, So frustrating.
1: But I remember what came from that for us and for our business, because that was just a couple of years ago. You called me and said, I feel like shit. This guy held this power over me and I respected him and I was super disappointed and I never want our people to feel like this. So what can we do to change? So they never feel like that.
2: And but for that happening, you may not have grown to the point where you are that concerned about other people. I mean, you may have gotten there some other way, but I say, but for being embarrassed on TV, I don't know that the things that have happened would have occurred because the truth is I would have just kept going with what I was doing and I would have had 15 minutes on the Oprah show of a fun time. Nothing big would have come out of it. It would just have been that I would have been a guest and I would told funny stories, but the full circle moment that I knew that that the significance came. I went into the closet and I saw all these cuffs and I said, Okay. There's got to be a purpose. And I said, I'm going to start gifting these to strangers. Wanted, And I went in there and I put a bunch on, have you heard this story, Emily, this part? I've
1: I've heard, Abby hasn't. And I was about to tie it back to like, you still do this today, like some version of this.
2: Yes. But this was the first time I had done it. And I was like, okay, I don't want a business. I just want to do this for fun. And I put about four bracelets on my wrist and went to the grocery store and said, this is the first time. And I said, I'm going to find a stranger. That's uncomfortable, and I'm going to do it. And it was crowded, crowded. And I walked in, and I saw a girl at the cash register, and she was checking people out. And I got in her line because I knew she was the one. And when I when I got up to the front of the line, there were still a bunch of people behind me. And I said, I and I just went like this, didn't look down. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. Not, about, I didn't even tell her the name of my business or anything. It wasn't about advertising. And she immediately started to cry and said, "You would have no way of knowing this because we've never met." But yesterday, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she said, when I was in the doctor's office and he told me the diagnosis, he, she said, through my tears, I prayed that God would give me a sign of hope to let me know it was all going to be okay. And I, and I looked down and it was a pink bracelet that I did. It. And she, she looked at me and said, thank you for being my, that sign of hope. And that's when I went back to Gino's Pizza and said, "But for that moment? He might not have had her sign of hope. And then the, I received a letter, and it was from the creative director and said, Congratulations, you have been chosen to be on the wrist of Oprah on the cover of her March issue, the Oprah magazine. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry. It was this big orange stingray cuff. I started to cry because it was a cuff that I had mailed to Gail King that I used to watch her wear on the CBS morning show. And whether or not she regifted it to Oprah, I, I, I don't want to say. But the, the crazy full circle God moment that if I sat down to write this story out, I would not be that creative to be able to tie it back to that. But it was like this nod saying, you, but for the pain, and for uh, being embarrassed and humiliated, you really would never have had the thing built. The, because you, I wouldn't have. I didn't want to do it. So that's that we The long road, I'm sorry, that took a little longer.
0: get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. How did it go from giving them away to monetizing and like building I've heard the stories about the people lining up and the stores being insane so like how did it transition so
2: because I never wanted it wasn't about the money for me because I wasn't working so it was when you're not working you're making it fine you're okay so I Somebody said, I want to do a party. And I know those parties because everybody feels guilty that you got to buy something. I said, I don't want to do a party because everybody feels guilty. Should please let me just throw a party. So I let her throw a party. 100 people came and I sold that down. Like, 200 cuffs, but custom ones where I had to go back. And I sold almost everyone for $38 because I didn't have a price. And 38 seemed like a good number, which probably was barely enough. I mean, it would take me hours. Like two hours for one cuff, and I sold 200 of them. So now I've gone from just doing this for fun, putting them in the closet, to I have to, I have to create 200. Well, then that started spreading because. I would put quotes that were so meaningful for people or their kids names. Now they had this thing that was not just a bracelet, it was a meaningful thing. Then it just I just started sending them to people in the media because I said I'm not going to advertise. I don't want to spend money to advertise, but I will send them to people I respect and admire, people that I had the TV that were on my TV that got me through the first 6 months of this. And so I started sending them just researching who they you know, what they like, who they are. And little by little, I would turn on the TV and start seeing people wear them on and ABC and ABC and CBS and Miranda Lambert at her concerts. And I thought, the power of that alone is worth more than you know $100,000 of advertising because you can't get them. I never asked them to wear them. I never asked them to talk about it. But you would take a picture of that and show people. And even if it's a crappy piece of anything, people are like, <laughs> sold. And so somebody from Good Morning America heard me talking about this at a branding meeting that they, uh, that uh, something called Spark and Hustle. And they asked me to talk about branding. And so I just said how I would mail stuff to people that I loved. And she said, would you come and be on Good Morning America? Could we have the cuffs on Good Morning America next week? And I said, sure. And she said, how many can you make in a, in a, in a week? And I was like, a thousand. Like if I, I, and then I said, under my breath, like if I stay up for a year, Like, we went a thousand. And then we went on air. It was just me. I had just hired a girl, but she wasn't starting till the next week. And we sold two. When I say we, it was me, sold 2,000 because I didn't have any employees yet. 2,000 that day on air. And that, to answer your question, Abby, that is when the craziness happened because now it's not just Tulsa, it was all over the country, America. And so that next year, I wound up hiring five people. I mean, friends, like friends friends and but a lot of people would come and sit around my house every day people that I had not hired every day just to help and so by year three it had just started spreading and I had 20 employees and it just kept growing this is year six going on year seven and so now it's at 160 160
1: employees
2: yes so I had two children and that is plenty plenty when you have employees and they're and I really didn't want to hire. I didn't care about hiring skilled people. I wanted to hire people that I could go spend a weekend in Vegas with. That's all I cared about. If you were fun, I could teach you how to do anything. And so the company now is made up basically of great Vegas friends. But it's not what I wanted. All these things are truly are not what I what I asked for wanted. But sometimes I say God takes people who are the least equipped. And so you can't ever say it's because of me that this happened because it's not
1: because. I want to talk a little bit like okay so after there's the traction of the the national presence you're on shows and and that takes off and that definitely helps a brand kind of create a life of its own but you have cultivated and I don't think really anyone gets it. maybe just Tulsa people get this I don't know maybe some Texas people get this but like the insane like you're running a cult like and I love it like I'm a part I'm here for it but like that's what it is. It's this intense brand loyalty and support and like high regard for everything that like your company stands for and puts out. How, was that intentional in any way? And if not, like how do you even maintain something that grows like that?
2: A, it was not intentional. I think the way that it happened, if I were to go back for three years, is that my office was in the same space that people came to start buying cuffs, which was not zoned for retail, but it was just like commercial. And all I cared about was the relationship because I love, I like people until I don't like them anymore. And then I don't like (laughs) them.
1: Then you're dead to me.
2: Yeah. Then you're dead. Um, When people would walk in, it was never about look at this cuff or upselling. I still tell my girls, don't ever upsell. They walk in the door and for you, they are a book walking in that they are on some chapter in that book and you have the ability to help them write a line. You have the ability to impact them. And so I think it wasn't anything different than I've done my whole life of sitting on an airplane next to somebody. By the time you get off the airplane you know you know all about them and you're friends with them and that is how every person and so i think what was happening is people were walking in never expecting to have a relationship or a friendship with this girl who was making cups and so then i just because i love fun i just Doing fun things on this private group, not my regular rustic cuff page. People are hungry for community. They're hungry to do things for other people in the community. Nobody's necessarily going to go to St. Francis Children's Hospital and take one coloring book and a pack of crayons, but they will come stand in a line with a thousand other people to give it to me. And I give them a bracelet for that. So they can be, I mean, a lot of people came for the free bracelet, but they will, you know what it's like when the community gets around a cause you there's stopping it. So it was a mixture of saying, Hey, let's do stuff because all the force of us is bigger than any one of us. But really, this is just a place that I liked these people. They were fun. They they were looking for something because what happened is they started buying cuffs so they could re-gift them to other people. I invited all of their husbands here one night and there were, I want to say there were about 200 husbands and we split them up into four groups. And in my bra, Mm -hmm. because a, a lot of, I know. I start off a sentence with, in my bra. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's in we're my bra. Okay. Yeah, where's that going? In my bra, uh, because a lot of them were. This is silly. Why does my wife spend money so much money here? Why does she stay in line? And then, yeah. And so I put two hundred. I, I can't remember. It was one hundred and fifty to two hundred fifty dollar bills in my bra, and they came in, in our segments, and I gave them like told them ten minutes of how it got started, so they wouldn't just think it's this girl just trying to peddle. Bracelets, and I told them, and I said, "Listen, I, it's okay if you never buy another bracelet. I just want you to know the story behind it, so you'll have an idea." And then I said, "But here's what I want to do." And I pulled these fifty dollar bills out, and I said, "I'm going to give you each a fifty dollar bill that I want. I'm going to shake your hand and and ask you to look me in the eye and promise me that you will hold on to this for no longer than a week and find somebody, a stranger, not for services and not for bills, a stranger that you will gift it to, and then come back and tell me the story and the stories that came out of those couple hundred guys were uh, the news came and did a story on it because it was truly amazing and so i think if you give somebody else the experience of that it it builds this it does build this loyalty because they realize it's not just about the bracelet and that
1: feeling is addictive like getting that high of giving and being generous and impacting lives like it's super it's a really really good feeling like it literally creates endorphins in our bodies and so I think being a part of someone who can kind of lead the pack on that, if people can get the taste of it in any way, like that's, they're just going to sign up for that.
2: Well, because you know, a lot of people live in depression and they live in this world of uh, poor me or wh- when will I ever get a break? I promise you the second that they started to look outside of themselves, even if they didn't have the money, it's really not even about, it just happens to be a bracelet. But even if it's doing something for somebody other than themselves, you how their life little by little begins to change because their insides begin to change. It is not this inward looking, it's outward looking, which you think really just affects the person you're doing it to, but more so it affects you. So that's, I believe, to answer your question, Emily, that I believe is why this this group started forming because it was a high that you couldn't get from something else.
0: Well, talk to me a little bit about this private Facebook group, because I hear like I've never heard of a product-based business selling in this way before. I've seen groups work fantastically for services and online products, but you have a private group for a product-based business. So talk to me about A, how that started and how you're using it today.
2: We did a private party here for like 20 people when I first started. Um, Well, not when I first started, it was three years ago, but it was still in the beginning's and they, these girls came up and said, we just started a group called addicted to cuffs and it's all rustic cuff. And there's a hundred of us in there. And instead of texting our pictures, our stacks back and forth, we put them in Facebook. And I said, oh, I want to be, a, I want to be part of that. And they said, we'd love to have you. And so a hundred people and this was three years ago, I think today, today or yesterday was the anniversary. And so they started this group. I, I, I was not in charge of it at all. But at because I'm a late night night owl kind of girl, I would start doing these crazy games, saying if anybody can show me a picture of themselves at, with a QT guy right now holding a banana and a monkey, I will give you you know this, this special cuff that you want. And you had at midnight, you had fifty girls racing to QT buy a banana with a stuffed animal monkey from their kids' rooms that they woke up to get the monkey. The picture, which became such a fun game for me because my girls were all one of them's also late night out and we would sit there and watch this happen and that grew
1: it's like you invented pokemon go like i feel like you invented
2: that i became addicted to doing things like this and i remember one time in the middle of the day i said okay if you show up in my office and sing a barry manilow song I'll give you this cuff. And I showed a picture of it. We had 150 people, like literally within an hour, sl- line up to sing very Manilow songs. And so that grew because people loved the, it was moderate. It was, it was monitored, not by me. And so you kept out people that were critical. You kept out people that would, You had people telling
0: their stories. So they would sing Barry Manilow in your office? How did that even happen? What, like, did people just show up? I would just be sitting there at my desk with an
2: idea. And it was when we only had one showroom. It wasn't even a showroom, just my office. And I would say, I want them to come sing Barry Manilow for this particular bracelet, just for fun. These people in the middle of the day would leave their office, come over here. It was such, it was a high for me. And it was a way that I got to just... Just sit there and get to know all these people within an hour and a half, and we did it. I remember that day we did that. It was a three hour ordeal because I couldn't say no that kept coming, and there were some not good singers. you realize people, people generally cannot sing. and this grew and grew because i I loved it so much. It was so much fun, and today it is over forty thousand, and that you have to be invited into this group. It's not you can't search it, you can't find it if you look for it. You have to know somebody in the group that will invite you in. And it's really, it's hard to explain. I've never seen anything like it. It's not, it's not a marketing tool per se, but people, you know, if you show cuffs and you say, you know, we're going to sell this next week, they, they get excited about it. But on the same token, you can just talk about life in general. And it is there's so much from A to Z that is in this group that it's hard to explain unless you're in it. Abby, I just added you.
1: <laughs> oh girl, now she's going to see the crazy. I love that. Well, and I love that. I mean, going back to just that like generosity being infectious, like my, so my aunt, and I know she's going to listen to this episode, so hopefully she doesn't like hate me for bringing it up, but she is addicted and she's all about that cuff life. And I remember the very first, she gave me my very first cuff and she gave me a couple. She told me, she gave me like three and she said, but one of these you need to give to someone else. And that led to Abby's first cuff, which was like almost three years ago now. So I think it's just funny the chain reaction that stuff like this creates and that we forget that like it's not that hard to do. Like just literally think about how you can be generous and how that domino effect just makes a lot of stuff better.
2: And I go through drive throughs now and, you know, I keep them or I just wear extras. If you – I've given people stuff through drive throughs that – a year or two later, I will have somebody say, "You gifted my daughter at midnight something in a drive-through, and it made such a difference in her day." And you don't realize it's just a bracelet. I mean, it's it's a bracelet. but what it does to people, is it shows them for one second of their life they are the center of somebody else's attention, and a lot of people don't even have that. Yep,
1: yep. Well, talk to me about as we're kind of winding down before we get into talk strategy. To me, I know you've opened up some retail locations and you've expanded a couple, and like figured all of that out, but Like, what else is Rustic Cuff going to do? What's coming up this year and in the coming years that's going to be just as epic?
2: Well, there is something coming up, which is hard for me to say on here because I want it to be a big surprise. It will be a big surprise. Really, really cool. I think the thing is, I I don't like stale. I like fresh. and, And everything after a while gets a little stale. And so you have to keep evolving. And so when you keep the fun factor in and the mystery, people want to stay tuned. And so the truth is two years ago, I didn't have a showroom, so I wouldn't even been able to say, this is where we're going. I never know. I mean, literally a few months planning, six months planning, and I don't see that much further ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think at some point we've talked about this in our own business, how really once you meet those kind of foundational goals of like, getting your business running well, like a well-oiled machine, like what comes next? And it's more about being in tune with seeing the open doors of opportunity and asking yourself, like, is that where I want to lead? Is that where I want to head? Is that how I want my life to look? Because if I say yes to this, these are the impacts that it's going to have. I'm either going to be working a lot more and stressed and unhappy, or I have the alternative. And so I think, especially after that foundation is built, the, the ability to see the strategic open doors of just how you freaking want to live and show off your business and show up as a business owner that's more important than setting some of those tiny goals
2: I totally agree and I'm a very firm believer that if it is your door you will not have to pound it down. You will not have to kick it in. You will be able to open the knob or you will see a light coming through the bottom of the door and you walk through that door. So I don't even know sometime. And then there are doors that close. Something that worked really well for years one through three, it might not work in year four. And you have to be okay with that because sometimes in order to grow, you have to shrink and go. I let go of this so I can soar to a new height. people hold on to something because it worked before, that does not necessarily mean it's going to work in the next decade. And only until you're okay with letting it go will you really realize what the next door is.
0: I think this is a great segue into talk strategy to me. And I fully expected to have you talk all about growing a product-based business. But I instead, I want you to give some people some some action steps or some self-reflection practices they can do to really listen to their intuition because I feel like that's what your success has come from is you just going with your gut and going with the flow and doing what felt right. And so what are some things you feel like would help other people tap into that for them?
2: Okay. I would say first, if you are not excited about it, if it doesn't give you a high, then you are not going to be able to translate that to other people. You cannot fake excitement. It's very hard. So unless you are in the middle of that thing where you say, I get to do that, then your have to is going to be very hard to give it to somebody else and expect them to be excited about it. So if you are not in the middle of your get to, I would say, what is the thing that keeps you awake at night with excitement? What is the thing that your heart keeps going back to? And what is the thing that people say, you're really good at that? Because that is the thing. Come
1: on, guys, I feel like we've said those exact same sentences before. So, you know.
2: That is the thing that when you're in the center of it, it is magical. And so I would say first find that place. And the second thing I would say is that don't truly when you are excellent at something, you shouldn't have to bang a door down. The favor, the favor for what you're doing because you are. The excellence rises to the top. And when you do something with excellence and learn from other people, I believe that you should not have to bang the door down. And then the final thing I would say, and it's so critical for any type of business, but especially people who are starting off a small business, is do not compare your business to anybody else you hear on I, my favorite all time favorite quote is don't compare your chapter one to chapter 20. Because when I started on Rustic cuff Facebook, not the private group, I had 100 likes. I remember looking at Michael Kors, who had 1 million. And I thought, why even start? This is silly. You know, it, I mean, you, you might have you guys could be somebody who has 20 million listeners. You're like, we're just starting what what's the point? How will we ever get there? But the truth is, If you just take from them, the twenty million listeners or the one million followers on Facebook, the things that you can learn and never ever compare yourself, you are an island unto yourself. You are not your your own story. It it will change everything because you can learn from all these people, but you grow according to your own storyline. Those
1: are my Yes. Preach it. Sister. <laughs> okay, well, tell everyone where they can see more about you online, hang out with you, check out your cuffs, and all that stuff.
2: Okay, so uh, you can find us online at rusticcuff.com um, or follow us on Facebook, Rustic Cuff, Twitter, Rustic Cuff, Instagram. And then we do something fun. If you want to know more about Rustic Cuff, just the story behind it, when you go to com, click on World of RC. And there's something called Kindness Effect. And there are episodes that we have done that really do and hopefully will inspire you. So if you don't wear bracelets, hopefully if you go to World of RC online, you can watch the Kindness Effect videos and that will just inspire you to just do things for others.
1: So yes. Thank you so much for coming on. I thought
2: it would ask. It was fun. Can we do this tomorrow? A
0: thousand percent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but stay
1: tuned for part two. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Jill. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.